Hey there, it's Vashti Sarah. Welcome back to Post Blog. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like button, follow button, share button, all the buttons to stay connected with the Post Blog podcast. And for those of you who this is not your first time, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, which means it's podcast day, my favorite day of the week. And for some of y'all, your favorite day of the week. And to be honest, I'm thoroughly grateful, thoroughly, thoroughly grateful for all the support, all the encouragement I've received from a ton of people. Y'all have been really, really encouraging and just very motivational. There are days where I genuinely do not want to record. There are days I genuinely do not want to write and I just want to be lazy. But, but I keep on keeping on because I do enjoy what I do. But, you know, you have those off days. So today's episode, we are going to talk about being too lazy to hold a grudge. Now, here's the thing. I don't condone laziness. I, I hate the idea of being lackadaisical. Um, I just, it's, not, it's just not in my personality. I grew up in a home that's very structured and especially my dad. My dad does not condone laziness. I mean, my mom is similar, but my dad is that trait is very, very evident in him. He works hard. He works smart. He's always doing something. There's always something to do. And even on days off, he is working on something. That's not to say taking taking a sabbatical is wrong or is not strived after. It's actually biblical to take sabbaticals. But, you know, my dad just always engraved in my siblings and I to not be lazy. And thankfully, I I, 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 I grasped that personality head on and I've taken it by the horns and I'm very, very, very diligent. And my husband, sometimes it annoys him because on Saturday mornings, he wants to just relax, you know, to chill, to sleep in. And my go, go, go personality says, no, let's not be lazy. Let's find something to do. There's always something to do, especially when you are newly married and you're fixing your house or whatever it may be, there's always something to do. But we're not talking about house duties. We're not talking about being lazy towards your goals and dreams and all that. We're talking about being lazy when it comes to holding a grudge. Unfortunately, that that right there is hard to do. It's hard to be lazy in that field. A lot of us, especially women, and I don't want to target women here, but if we're honest with ourselves, we are really good at not letting go of things. We are experts, honestly, at keeping the drama extended for periods of time. We're really good at ignoring the situation. You know, some of us, we rework our entire life to avoid certain people. We rework our entire schedule to avoid seeing that specific person, having a conversation with that person. We legitimately rather inconvenience ourselves than just take the drama and resolve it. We have a special talent to keep the music of chaos going. You know, and men have this struggle too, but I'll be very honest. Um, you don't have to have statistics for this. It's just, I believe in our innate 
nature for women to hold on to a grudge. We're very emotional beings. So with that, um, holding a grudge, anger, all that, that is, that deals with emotions. And I think that's why so many of us women, we struggle with it. And I say we, because I will be the first to admit that I struggle with letting go of things. And, you know, that, that had, that, that's something that I had to deal with early on in marriage. Um, my husband is the type of person that hates holding on to things. He hates the silent treatment. He hates just, you know, letting conflict go for extended periods of time. And that was hard for me. And I've talked about this several times or generally this this concept several times in, in different episodes about how, you know, early on or before we got married, my husband and I, we did premarital counseling and we talked about conflict resolution, how he resolves conflict, how I resolve conflict. I'm the type that likes to linger, brush it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. And um, after the silent treatment, then I'm okay and just pretend like nothing ever happened. We're good. And then my husband, on the other hand, he wants to deal with it right there, right now. Let's get over it. Let's well, not let's get over it, but let's talk about this. Explain why you feel the way you do. I feel the way I do and come to a middle ground and let's move on. And, you know, we learned in premarital counseling and before premarital counseling that I need time. He doesn't. So we had to come to a middle ground and figure out a way to resolve conflict without hurting the other person. And when I say hurting the other person, it's essentially hurting me by going too fast and hurting him by moving too slow. So in marriage, that came up pretty big in the sense that, you know, you're living with someone, you're in close quarters, you will have friction, there will be things that are done that you don't, you're not comfortable with. Or, you know, for instance, for me, I like things in order. I'm I'm a neat freak. I love to clean. I, I enjoy things to be in its place. And if you move it, put it back where it belongs. And my husband like most guys are, they're a little bit more, they, they live, they can live in clutter. They can <laughs> live in the mess. They can live in the chaos. And we had to learn how to live in close quarters and not allow w- our likes and dislikes to ruin our days, to um, stir up conflict every single day. And, you know, yes, we have our times where we you know, poke at each other here and there. But, you know, I say all that to say we learn to resolve conflict and we learn to admit when we're wrong, mainly me, more so, more so me than anyone else, because my husband will admit, you know, I was wrong for doing this. I was wrong for saying that I was wrong for uh, responding the way I did. For me, it took a lot of humility to get to that point. And I mean, I think one of the biggest things my husband has helped me with in our, in our first two years of marriage is learning to lower myself, learn to take the blame when blame is necessary, um, learn to confront the situation, learn to be mature a lot of the times we think we're mature when in actuality, there's just that child in us that's screaming and kicking. We don't want to do certain things. We want things to be done our way and we avoid conflict resolution. 
and I'm thankful my husband has helped me to, you know, he, he doesn't even give me the option to hold on to a grudge. He always challenges me to be the bigger person and to walk in humility. And, you know, the funny thing is humility um, re- or being the bigger person requires you to lower yourself, to put pride aside. And our in our nature, in our natural response, we don't want to become lower than ourselves. We want to be right. We want to always be in our rightness. We, we, it's so easy to hold on to a grudge. It's so easy to hold on to anger, animosity, and the list goes on. But, you know, in marriage, my husband taught me and, and the Lord with his grace has taught me to humble myself and to be the bigger person. And there have been many times outside of marriage where I've had to implement that and just take conflict and find the beauty in it. Because conflict is necessary. If there's no conflict, is there, if there's no friction, there probably isn't any love. The people that you have conflict with the most are most likely the people that you love. It's, it's family. It's your friends. So in order to resolve conflict, in order to move past that grudge or move past that stronghold, you have to be lazy. And granted, I don't condone laziness ever. But in this instance, in this situation here, when it comes to the character trait of holding on to a grudge, anger, animosity, be lazy. Be the person that's lazy to hold on to that. Be the person that doesn't have a tight grip on that. Because here's the thing. What we don't realize is that the grudge that you're holding on to, the anger that you're holding on to, the resentment that you're holding on to, it has an expiration date. Too often we hold on to things where where we have a tight grasp on situations. Someone said something about you. You know, someone took something from you. You know, your family hurt you. And the the list goes on. Whatever that thing is you've been holding on to, it, it doesn't have to be a grudge. It could be something entirely different. You're holding on to unforgiveness. Whatever that thing is, it has an expiration date. And I think that's where issue is. We hold on to certain things and we, th- and we hold on in our rightness, not realizing at some point, it's not that justifiable. At some point, you kind of have to deal with it. So often or too often, we're walking around with this cloud overhead, with this you know, darkness overhead because of that thing that was done to us that one time. And it could be a a number of times, but it's that buildup over a period of time. And we never addressed it. We never resolved it. We never moved on from it. And what we don't see is that because we haven't sought out reconciliation, because we haven't sought out resolving that disagreement, we are affecting the people around us. We are affecting our friends, our families. We're affecting people who don't even know us because we're wreaking 
of a stinky attitude, of a stinky personality. That thing that you're holding on to has an expiration date. And what happens when things expire? They stink, right? They smell crappy. You probably want to vomit just looking at it. When things age, it's it's, it's not like wine. Grudge, uh, unforgiveness, um, bitterness, and the list goes on. It's not like wine or cheese. You know, they, they say that it, um, age like wine, where it tastes even better. Um, but that's, that's, that's not how it ages here. Whenever you hold on to hurt, bitterness, anger, grudge, and the list goes on, you name it, you know exactly what you're holding on to. It has an expiration date. And so many of us, we speak. And when we speak, people can smell the ugly. When we walk, people can see the ugly that we're holding on to. I mean, one of the biggest things or the biggest indicators, look at how someone keeps their house. If someone keeps their quarters, their their living space pretty crappy and they don't invest in keeping their space clean. I'm not talking about neat freaks and people with OCD. You know, that's that's a completely different thing. I'm talking about just your regular Joe Schmo. If their living quarters is messy and crappy and cluttery, it's probably because their heart is just the same. Messy, crappy, and filled with clutter. I said cluttery. I don't think that's a word, but you get what I'm saying. Whenever we hold on to grudge, anger, all the hurt that, you know, that's been done to us, we reek. At some point, we have to realize we got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of the clutter. We got to get rid of the anger. We got to get rid of the hurt. We got to make space for Jesus. The reason why we talk the way we do, we respond or react the way we do, the reason why we speak with so much hate and anger and, and bitterness is because we haven't made room for Jesus to come in and infiltrate and make clean and make whole that space that has been hurting for far too long. The reason why we smell funky and we live funky is because we've held a tight grip to our hurt and our pain rather than being too lazy too lazy to hold on to it. At some point, we have to realize the things that we're holding on to has an expiration date. The things that we have a tight grip on has an expiration date. You know, the psalmist David, he had all right to hold on to anger and bitterness. He had all right to. But he said, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. That's Psalms 37 verse 8. And that evil is the way we live. That evil is the way we speak to people. That evil is the way we think. It's the way we react. That evil is not making space for Jesus. That evil is the silent treatment that you give people. That evil is avoiding certain people in situations. 
rather than just confronting and letting go. And that's not to say you forget, because sometimes there are certain hurts that it's hard to forget those. It's genuinely hard to forget. But when you let go, you allow forgiveness to take root in your heart. That even though that memory may still be there, you're a little bit more cautious moving forward. You're not speaking out of hate. You're not responding out of hate. You're not walking out of hate. Rather, you're walking in love. You're speaking in love. You're responding in love. That's what letting go does. That's what creating room, getting rid of the clutter, getting rid of the, the grudge, getting rid of all the mess and allowing Jesus to come in and take root. So what is maturity? Maturity in this situation on this topic is the ability to control the pain, the hurt, the grudge, the anger, rather than it having control over you. Letting it take control over your life always result, will always result in its ugly face rearing itself, destroying the life and lives of those around you. It has an expiration date. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like you are right in why you are holding on to what you're holding on to, it has an expiration date. Here's the thing. At least this is how I look at it. Whenever I start allowing my emotions to take control, I have to sit and ask myself, Vashti, whenever you face Jesus, are you going to tell him, the reason why I hold on to this was because so-and-so did so-and-so and I'm right and they're wrong. Is that what you want to do? The reason why I couldn't love was because this person hurt me 15 years ago, so I chose not to love ever again. Is that really what I want to do? The reason why I chose to, to hold on to anger and, and I, I decided to always just walk in anger with everyone I approach is because that person hurt me. And when I think about it that way, when I face my Savior, All I can think is Jesus will look at me, obviously, in compassion and mercy. But he will say, you know what, Vash? You had the opportunity to let go. You had the opportunity to let me in. To heal. You had the opportunity to create space for me. And at that point, it won't be on that person that hurt me. It will be on me. Because I had a choice to move on. I had a choice to resolve the conflict. I had a choice to make better the situation. But I didn't. So, for you who's listening, for you who have been holding on to hurt, pain, or it could be something super simple, whatever you're holding on to, I challenge you to be the mature person. I challenge you to walk in humility. I challenge you to forgive and love because the bottom line is we are called to do as Christ did, whether we like it or not. 
That's it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me on Post Blog. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, like button, follow button, share button, all the buttons. Stay connected with the Post Blog podcast. Same time, same place next week. I love y'all. But remember, God loves you most.